What's going on, Ride the Wave Nation? Jake Seymour here, joined with Kyle Bax and Reed Miller for another episode of the GOD Podcast. Guys, welcome back to the GOD Podcast, episode 22. Uh, we're going to have a jam-packed episode for you guys. We're going to talk about this James Hunter that just broke yesterday. Such a crazy, crazy trade. Uh, it was a four-team deal. And, you know, there's a lot of times in the NBA where superstars go and they don't get a lot. The team that doesn't get a, a lot back. But I think this was a change last night. The Houston Rockets got a haul for James pa- uh, for James uh, Harden. They had seven first-round picks. Uh, I think, what is it, four uh, swaps in that Brooklyn trade. They obviously got James Harden. The Houston Rockets got Oladipo. Bunch of movement in the league. We're going to bring it all down. Reed, what are your impressions on this Houston Rockets trade? I think they could have got a better package for sure. But, I mean, tra- whatever, whenever you're trading a player like James Harden, you're not going to get an equal value in return. So... But I think they got enough pieces now that they're they have a good roster that's willing to compete. I don't think they had that with James Harden at the helm. Uh, they want to play team basketball while they can also sort of move on to that next phase in their rebuild with all the uh, I think four first round picks they got from uh, Cleveland and Brooklyn, which also kind of raises the uh, concern of this is whether this is a KG and Pierce trade part two. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, real quick, I got the I got it pulled up now. I had it pulled up and then my phone glitched out and it went away, so I was kind of doing it on the spot. But uh, so the Pacers they got Karis Levert in a second round pick. Cleveland got Jared Allen and uh, Taron Prince. The Nets got James Harden and the Rockets got Victor Oladipo, Dante Exum, three Brooklyn uh, first round picks, and four first round swaps. And they got a first round pick from Milwaukee, I think, in twenty twenty two as well. Yeah, from like the Cle- the Milwaukee pick for uh, from Cleveland. Yes. Which Cleveland is the biggest winner of all from this, aside from the yeah. two obviously James Harden. But you trade away a 2024 pick, I think, from Milwaukee, which is probably going to be like the last pick in the first round for Steele and Jared Yeah, he's 22 years old. Granted, they do have way too many big guys in their front court to work with, but I don't think they're done making moves. Um, he's into this later, but I kind of want to get this out of the way. Um, do you think this makes Andre Drummond available, especially with the trade exception? And is that some of the sellers to explore real quick? Uh, I, I don't want Andre Drummond, to be honest. I'm not, I'm not, like, I, don't, I think, think he's out of his prime. I know. I think he's in it, but I don't know if that's a good sign or not. But is is that something that you think Danny H is likely to do is my point? Because if not, then I think there's someone else that, they're willing, that they might trade that sort of came from this trade that we can get to later. He does average for senior on the game. I just pulled the stats. I mean, theoretically, I mean, Danny goes for everyone, right? I mean, is there ever a time where Trader Danny isn't making a trade for anything? I mean, I mean, let's be honest at that point. So, I mean, would it surprise me if Danny throws his bid in for that? No. But who are you willing to get up, give up for that? Is he going to match that contract? Doesn't he have a big contract? They, we just got a trade exception. Yeah, uh, but don't you have to use that all? I don't think that equals out, does it? Actually, you might, you might be right. I don't know. There's just some mess on the timeline that I want to bring up with you guys. No, it's a good point. No, it's a very good yeah. point. And uh, I, for some reason, I thought he actually only averaged like eight rebounds a game. So I was like, that's just Tristan Thompson. But I just okay. looked, he's averaging 15. Oh, yeah, I, yeah. I, he's, oh, like, so, oh, actually, that trade exception might work. He's making, what was the trade exception? 28? Yeah. Yeah, so that wouldn't work because Drummond has 25. So you have to throw in someone else with that. Yeah, yeah. But uh, let's not get too off the off the uh, rails here. I do like um, that. I did not did not think of that. Yeah, yeah, just something I saw. Um, but yeah, James Harden is now a Brooklyn Net. It seemed like it was only a matter of time. 
Uh, Kyle, what are your thoughts? Uh, it's an interesting move because, like, everything I've been seeing online is, like, how uh, Kyrie didn't want to be, you know, Robin to uh, LeBron's Batman way back when. But now it's, like, he's not even the second option on his team. He's the I'm third Robin. He's not even Robin. He's yeah. Elf. Yeah, it's crazy to me to think that. Because I think it's dumb to think if they're all playing together that they're not going to be good. I think they're going to be absolutely disgusting if they're all playing together. But it really all depends on Kyrie. Because I don't think KD and uh, James are enough to like win you a title. But you know, if Kyrie keeps ghosting them like he's been doing, then I mean, it's not really. You just gave up your whole future for nothing, basically. I'll ask you this: Do you think Kyrie knows that James Harden's on the Rockets, uh, on the sun, on the uh, Nets now? Do you think he's? Do you think anyone's told him? I don't know, cause <laughs> he is weird with his phone. So, cause you know he was on his phone posting about his family birthday party with his dad, and then now it's like, it's just I'm just so grateful every day that I hear Kyrie Irving's name that he's not on the Celtics anymore. Like, I'm blowing up our division rivals. Love it. Um, this Harden trade. This was. I mean, talk about a four-team trade happening in any point in the season is crazy. But the habit having for a superstar like James Harden is even crazier. And of course, would happen in this crazy, insane season that we're having right now. Um, but my big takeaway with this is that James Harden to me right now is an insurance policy for this team, and it's a stupid insurance policy if I'm being honest. Um, you know, like when the you know when the Nets were getting. James, when the Nets were getting Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, it was like they're at a store. You're at the store and it's buy, you buy this, you get this one free. And there's no, you can't, you have to do that, right? So they go into the free agency market and they pick up Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving comes along with that. They knew what they were getting into with that, right? They, they bought both of them all at the free agency market. Now you bring in a guy like James Harden, you've sacrificed your entire future. Like, you're going to be awful after 2025, I feel like. Because, I mean, Kevin Durant's 32, I think Harden's 31, and Kyrie's going to be 29 in like two months. You're going to be awful for the second half of this decade. You've sacrificed your entire future. And I don't think, I think it was unnecessary. You didn't need James Harden. James Harden wasn't a necessity to you. You had Kyrie, you had Kevin Durant. Obviously, didn't when he went out, but you had Karis Levert, who is a great player, and Jared Allen, who is the anchor on your defense. It was a stupid insurance policy, I feel like. And that's the only way I can, I can describe the trade for the Nets. Yeah, that's that's uh, the point I was kind of making with other people off pod. I was saying that the thing that kind of intimidated me about this Nets team, aside from obviously Katie and Kyrie, was their depth, their like wings on the side, their uh, weapons on the side that you don't really pay a whole lot of attention to, and they kind of sneak up on you. Like Karis Levert kills us all the time. Spencer Dinwiddie kills us. Jared Allen kills us. But the Nets go and trade away their entire depth for Harden in a year where really you kind of need as many players as you can during a pandemic. When players are dropping like flies. Yeah, it never hurts to have more depth on the team, you know, not even this season, but just in general. I mean, you know, last year we went into the bubble and saying that the Clippers were going to be good because they had the depth, and it turned out that the Lakers were that team. You know, we didn't realize that at the time, but that's how it was, right? So, and the Lakers beat beat up on teams because they had good big men. You had a great big man in Jared Allen. Now, the Lakers, they downsided this year with those big men. They don't have, like, a lot like they did in previous uh, in the previous year, uh, previous season. So now you look at that, and you're like, well, great. So now we just lost their big man. So now we have an aging DeAndre Jordan who, I mean, what is what has he done this year? Pretty much little, right? He hasn't been the same. Oops. So so now you have a, a Kevin Durant, James Harden, who's going to be in a strip club and eventually, you know, have to get through all the COVID pol- uh, protocols. And then Kyrie Irving, who doesn't even answer the telephone. Like, what are you doing? You just sacrifice everything for the one player. 
The other thing, too, when you talk about how they're not going to have a really good future is if you kind of think about it, I if you think about um, the first big-name player that Brooklyn really traded away recently, uh, D'Angelo Russell. He had a great year, finally brought him back to the playoffs, and then they trade him immediately. Then what do they do? Jarrett Allen and Chris LeVert last year ball out in the playoffs. They didn't go very far, but, I mean, they balled out for Brooklyn, and now it's like immediately they get traded, too. And it's almost like Brooklyn just has no loyalty to its people. I mean, they said they would trade anyone other than KD for James Harden. So with that, I think it's not going to be a very, you know, appealing free agent destination, too. So they better hope it works out now. Steven, Steve Nash has the most useless job on the face of the earth right now. Not that they just have enough skill on the team, but you think anyone's going to want to listen to him? First-year head coach, yeah, he's an NBA Hall of Famer, for sure, but you got three, oh, like a, for lack of a better word, selfish players or who need the spotlight, need the ball in their hands to, to be great. There's, no, there's going to be no influence at the head coach spot. I mean, real quick, too, let's just run run through this uh, with Nash. October 1st, 2020, Kyrie Irving says he doesn't really see us having a head coach. Then right. fast forward to December 14th. He then says, I think I've got to take back my comments from a few months ago. So now he takes it back. And then on January 13th, via uh, Legion Hoops on Twitter, he says the Nets are growing unhappy with Kyrie Irving and their communication is minimal. And then it also says Irving was furious over the little notice on the head coach hiring. And Irving and Durant communication has been distant. So now you have this guy that Durant had to sell to uh, to Brooklyn, had to sell him to him because Brooklyn only wanted KD, and like I said, it was like a it was a package. You had to get both of them. And you saw right? him talking at the All Star game together. Yeah, in the yeah, exactly. And you had to get Kyrie Irving with it. You get him, and now he's being not only is he just being disrespectful to the team and the ownership, the front office, and the head coach. Now he's being disrespectful to the guy that brought him in here. And like that's one thing he doesn't understand that he thinks he was brought to Brooklyn because. He's good. No, you were brought to Brooklyn because KD vouched for you. And I bet KD's feeling like an idiot right now because you're doing so, so stupid things. Like, you can't just say, I don't want to play basketball and then and then go to, like, a nightclub. That doesn't work, dude. You can't do that. <sighs> yeah, I, mean, I wish I could just not show up for my job and still get paid. Like, that's unbelievable. The other thing, too, I want to touch on, if you guys remember the bubble, he, uh, he didn't go to the bubble because he said he wanted because of COVID and the social injustice. And I'm not going to comment on the social injustice aspect of it, but I will comment on the COVID aspect, right? He said he doesn't want to go to the bubble because COVID was a risk for him. He didn't want to take the chance, which is completely understandable. You know, like, it is what it is at that point. If you think it's not worth it, don't go, right? But you can't say that and then six months later go to a nightclub and go party, maskless. Like, what are you doing? You're such a hypocrite, dude. I call him, he just in Kyrie land. He just goes off and does his own thing, and he just doesn't know. I, I don't get it. Not to mention, too, all those reporters that are supposed to, like, help you out, he calls them pawns? Do you realize that they're helping you to make yourself look good in the PR side of it? Like, there are reporters in that room that purposely throw you snowball questions to help you look good, and you call them, no, you guys are a bunch of pawns. What? I think just Kyrie just hates basketball. It's, he thinks he's a philosopher is what he is. And it's, like, mind-boggling when you think about it. I, I don't get it. I don't get it. I Every time I talk about this subject, with whether it's I'm recording this, unless I did something with Justin Lowe or doing this podcast, I'm talking to people outside of this, I'm like, I don't know what to say because he just, like, he's in Kyrie land. That's where he's at. He's in Kyrie land, mystical Kyrie land, where everything is perfect and we got to overthink the world and the world is flat. 
Do you think this might be a complicated question? Maybe I'm not being clear, but who do you think this trade benefits? Does this trade benefit the Brooklyn Nets more, like in a sense, or James Harden as an individual? Do you know what I mean? Because James Harden was not going to win it as the best player on a championship team. Like, did the Nets need James Harden? Was this team as, as constructed with uh, its depth and its star power enough to win a championship? Because I think it was. Definitely. And I think they sacrificed a whole lot of their depth for one player who's going to eat up maybe 50% more of their touches. It wasn't even set up to win this year because they could have won this year. But it was set up to win for the next five to seven years. That's, that's seven years. I mean, yeah, but you have Karis LeVert, who looked amazing. Didn't win you, who looked good. Jared Allen. When Karen Durant starts to get older, okay. you're going to have those three guys plus an aging Karen Durant, who you know is still going to be able to score the basketball. They're always going to be in the conversation. Uh, but okay. now you just sacrifice your future big three. Yeah, I misunderstood. I thought you meant seven years with James Harden. Oh, no, no, no. No, not yeah. with James Harden. My thing is, like, Karis LeVert, Jared Allen, and Spencer Dinwiddie would have been the next big three there. You would have just how, – how big of a storyline would it have been? Yeah, we we did a stupid move. We traded away all those first round picks to Boston. But guess what? We went out, we got Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving. We were contended. And then we on top of that, we got three young studs in Jared Allen, Spencer Dinwiddie, and Karis Levert. And we're gonna be good for the next decade. But no, we're gonna trade all that and sacrifice all that just for one guy for what, maybe a two year, three year rental of James Harden? Like yeah, what are you guys doing? This, yeah, I said this before, uh at the start of the pod. Like I I think I think uh the Rockets kind of sold themselves a little short like i think there was a much better package out there like the uh they they were on the phone with the celtics thankfully we turned this down it was Jalen brown marcus smart and four first round picks i think if you're houston if the celtics offer you that you accept in a heartbeat boston puts the phone down right away they don't they don't accept that whatsoever miami's offer i'm pulling up right here this was houston's asking price for miami tyler hero duncan robinson precious achua Kendrick Nunn, uh, salary compensation, two first-round picks and four pick swaps, and Miami declined. Oh, I mean, obviously. Yeah. Miami has to decline that. But my thing is with the Celtics is we've heard this a lot in recent years, and I'm not going to go back to, like, before the Tatum and Brown era. Um, But, you know, with Tatum and Brown in the league now, we've heard a lot of stuff going around with Celtics are going to try and trade for this guy. Celtics are going to go and do this. I honestly feel like the Celtics are, yes, are they in trade talks with those teams? Yes. But does Danny have any intentions of trading it? No, I think he's just trying to get the price up more. Because that package right there is, I mean, maybe they answer and he's like, yeah, no, get out. Like, we're not doing that. Or maybe he's like, oh, I'll think about it. So now Houston has leverage and can go to Brooklyn and say, hey, they're offering us, you know, this and four first round picks. Yeah. And then, you know what I mean? And now James, and now Danny answers that. But and then at the other point of me too, I'm like, no, you're just being a green teamer. And Danny can do no wrong, so... I don't know, but there's just it's, it's something I think about because there's been a lot of times that has happened in recent Celtics history. Yeah, well, if he was gonna go to either team in the division, I really thought he was gonna go to the Sixers, and I was kind of pushing for yeah. that. They're gonna they're offering uh, Ben Simmons, Tyrese Maxey, who I think is gonna be a stud in this league, uh, Matisse Thybulle, and a bunch of firsts. Uh, I think if I'm Houston and I get offered that, I, I'd much rather prefer that haul over what Brooklyn and Cleveland, Indiana gave for me. Um, yeah, but if you're if you're Philly, you have to think about. At that point, Joel Embiid, right? And Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons have come up together in this system. So is that relationship between Embiid and Simmons too uh, means too much to Embiid to sacrifice moving Ben Simmons for James Harden? So at that um, point, when you when you move Ben Simmons, are you losing Embiid? Even I'll if you get Harden? So. The entire narrative last year. Okay, Kyle, you go first. Kyle, you go first. Yeah, I don't think so. I think um, 
I think that team's like low key cracking because I don't think you can. I think you're seeing that you can't win with Ben Simmons and Embiid. Like they were what the six seed last year. I just don't think that that team is going to go anywhere. Like maybe they'll finish the season strong and be like a two or a three seed, but I don't see them winning together. And I think James Harden would have been a much better player for them than Ben Simmons is. Yeah, I've seen like they obviously improved from last year, like their roster and their coaching staff and front office, but. I saw improvement from those two together too, but the entire narrative to this point has been Simmons and Embiid can't win together. And then you go and swap out Simmons, whose game is so limited. Like his, like his progression from year one to year four, I believe at this point, it just kind of been like a straight line. He's been the same player all four years. Meanwhile, Harden's scoring champion the last three years in a row. Embiid's playing at MVP level. Like I think that might kind of his numbers might take a little bit of a dip when you bring in James Harden as far as like scoring goes, but. That might match. I mean, you don't you you don't know. We won't know because it's not going to happen. But. but maybe I'm my only thing that I'm my concern with that Philly trade was that if Embiid said yeah, but it, it's going to be a chemistry problem, or they oh, front, sure. that's what the front office thought, that's what right? That's what and that's why I, that would be the only reason why I wouldn't move Ben Simmons for uh and uh for Harden and I forget his name, but there was another center being thrown around in Philadelphia that was a, a young young player that was very good. Um, people were throwing around on Twitter, and then they found out that. They weren't. He wasn't even being offered. He wasn't even in the deal. Oh, uh, I know what you're talking about. Um, uh, he gave us fits like a season ago, two seasons ago. I know exactly who you're talking about. Yeah. Let me pull up the roster. But he wasn't even involved in the trade. People are saying, well, if he's not even involved, that would be the only thing that would hold it back. But yeah. my thing with that is that it's, it's probably a chemistry thing. They probably didn't yeah. want to. I'm gonna they probably don't want to waste chemistry for it. it. I mean, that's a huge trade for Philadelphia. Yeah. Uh, Tony they... Brown. Um, sign him. Oh, you looked it up. I'm just going to say this point, too. Uh, my biggest thing, too, with Houston, why did you have to move Levert for Oladipo? Because the original trade had Levert in Houston. Yeah, that was a dumb move. That was so opinion. stupid. That was so thinking stupid. Thinking about that this morning, like, I don't know what the word for it is, but I think people are overhyping the Houston Rockets right now when they see John Wall, Boogie Cousins, and Oladipo. Because, personally, I don't think any of those players are the same players that they used to be. And that oh. team... Be an average team at best. I like I, the picks with them, but I don't know why you would flip Levert. I would have kept Levert. I disagree a little bit. I also agree too. Like I think now you actually have like five, six, seven players in the team now that actually want to play basketball. Now all that drama is just like away, and like you kind of have a future now. Like the Rockets didn't really have any assets with James Harden um, because they're always kind of stuck in no man's land. They're like too good to tank, too good to tank, but too bad to kind of have a like a like a good like lottery pick or whatever have any sort of future but now i think they kind of have that they have like another team taking for them so i think it's a good trade as far as the haul they gotten but there are definitely some that would have been better i just don't understand the point of flipping levert for oladipo no no i, I don't. don't get that the only thing i can think of would be the salary cap they wanted to stay under the, the luxury tax something and i and i'm not going to sit here and go through the salary cap if you guys want to do that go do it i mean the the nba salary cap rules are just so insane and just so complicated that that would be the only reason why i would think about it um but other than that i mean lavert's so much such a better player than oladipo yeah say like it stinks for lavert to leave like a title contender in brooklyn but like with the pacers now like they're they're building something over there yeah, but it's also Indiana. Right. But, I mean, like, you got Sabonis coming, like, really breaking out. Rogan, like, Oladipo didn't fit that scheme anymore. You bring in Levert, who we've seen. Yeah, but they had, need the guy, and I don't know if Levert's the guy. 
I mean, it could be. He just dropped 51 on us last year, 37 and two quarters. Yeah, you know how a lot of other people have dropped 50 and 60 points in a game. Tyrant, uh, Terrence Ross did that. You think he's the guy? Yeah, it was years ago. <laughs> All I'm saying is that I don't know if I see Levert as the option. Maybe he is. Uh, I mean, I like him as a player. He's a very, very good player. Um, but he reminds me of a guy that needs to be a part of like a, a solid big three like he was in Brooklyn. And obviously, you're not going to see how that works out. Um, I don't know. Just something to think about. But moving on to our next topic, Celtics and COVID. It's been a rough week for Celtics basketball and Celtics fans. When was the last time we watched the game? Was it last Friday for DC? Week from tomorrow, yeah. Week, week from uh, tomorrow. Yes, a week ago tomorrow, yeah. So a week ago, probably today when you guys are listening. Friday, to we're, we're recording on Thursday. So a week from Friday the 14th? 15th. 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 So the last time we watched the game, it was the Wizards game. I think Kyle and I did a post-game reaction to that. We did the Miami game as well. And it's been such a rough Friday. So Robert Williams tested positive, And then... After he tested positive, Tatum tested positive, and like eight people needed to quarantine. And I don't then, hate, yeah, I don't. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt there, but I don't mean to. I don't hate the whole if Jason Tatum can't play, no one can play sort of. Uh, oh, approach. that's still stupid. <laughs> but I don't. Um, like, I don't hate it. I don't hate it at all. I. I. No. Okay. I see what you're saying. I disagree with that. I want to see them play. Um, I know. So that Sunday we had, like, it would have been, like, a pretty bad lineup. And Kyle and I were talking about this off the air last night. We were saying that. I told him, I said, you know, you're facing against the Miami team. You probably lose that. And you got to go to Chicago. You probably lose that. And then you go to Orlando. You probably lose all three of those games. So now you're sitting at seven and six. That's what I'm saying. You can't lose games if you don't play them. And, no, and that's a good point, Reed. But at the same time, too, we always say, oh, let's see what the young guys do. Come on, guys. Let's see what they do. This would have been the perfect time for it. Yeah, big picture, no, we should not have been playing those games. But I will admit, it would have been interesting seeing, you know, our backup point guard being like Carson Edwards and Tremont Waters and throwing out Taco for 25 minutes a game. Like, that would have been interesting, but we would have gotten absolutely smoked. I I haven't been able to say this on a pod lately because I wasn't on the last one with you guys, but I'm done defending Carson Edwards. Oh, my God. Oh, it's so bad. Could you imagine if we dropped Carson Edwards? I was thinking about this today in school. I was just – because sometimes when I'm in school, I just get off on Celtics little tangents. And I was thinking about I would much rather drop Carson Edwards, not even trade him for a second-round pick, just drop him and pick up Isaiah Thomas. Pick him up. Drop Carson for Isaiah Thomas. You get Isaiah on the veteran minimum. Yeah, send uh, Carson Edwards on a one-way trip to the sun. No, you're going to send him to a one-way trip overseas. (laughs) Which no, I mean, Carson Edwards, I mean, if there was a G League this year, sure, send him to Maine. I mean, there, there is. We, we just, we're just not being taken part of it. Yeah, you know, let's talk. Let's touch on that for one second, but we'll go back to the COVID. But why why are the Red Claws not playing this year? Can anybody tell me why? To. They just didn't want to, like, be in oh, the they bubble. Just pull Kyrie, like, they, yeah, we just didn't want to play this year. Well, not in the bubble, because isn't the whole G League in a bubble somewhere? Yeah. I mean, yeah, so they just opted out. Yeah, at that point. A lot of teams opted out. I don't think there were many teams that opted in. Yeah, oh, really? I thought it was a lot. teams or whatever. Oh. I would have liked to see him play it because I felt like yeah. it would have been. But at the same time, too, I guess if it's a bubble, you can't send players in and out like you usually could. No, no. That, that, that thing that, that mostly had to. That might have been the, the steel breaker. Right, that makes sense, I guess. But I don't know. I would have liked to see the Red Claws play. I mean, sometimes they're on NBC Sports Boston and you get to watch a couple games, which is always fun to see them, you know, all the young guys playing. But back, anyway, back to Celtics and COVID. So, yeah, we were down to, like, the backups of the backups of the backups. Eight players in the uh, game. Yeah. Week. It was eight players. Eight players were active. And then Sunday night's game got postponed because um, 
Miami didn't have eight players available. Somebody else had a quarantine because of contract tracing. So then we, that game got canceled, and then we went to go play, I think it was Monday or Tuesday in Chicago, I think Tuesday, and that game got canceled because Carson Edwards needed a quarantine. So I mean, we didn't have enough players. And then well, I think Wednesday's game against Orlando. Did that get moved, or were we, were we always slated to play Orlando tomorrow? We were always uh, slated to. We're playing the, as far as – Right now it's four thirty-six p.m. As of right now, we are playing against Orlando tomorrow night. Yay! Salsa basketball is back. But the Quinella question is, who is playing? Yeah, they they uh, brought out on Twitter like the three. It took three tweets to announce the uh, injury report, but I think I only saw Tatum, Edwards, and Robert Williams were out, and Kemba and Langford, but they were already going to be out. I think I only I saw just, five players out. I just pulled questionable. On, uh on CBS Sports. So, Ojale is a game-time decision. Walker's out with that knee injury till January 22nd. Tice is a game-time decision. Edwards expected expected to be out till the January 17th. Uh, Green is out. For, uh, no, I'm sorry. He's a game-time decision. Brown, game-time decision. Tatum expected to be out at January 22nd. And Langford with the wrist, January 19th. And Rob Williams, January 20th, 20th with COVID. So, at least you get, you'll most likely have Brown back. Green, I mean, we've always said we like Green, so he'll most likely be back. And then the Giannis stopper, Semi Ojale, is back in the lineup. Wait, did you say – I want to backtrack a little bit. Did you say Kemba's coming back the 22nd? Yeah, because – um, so Danny Ainge said that he would have played Friday, but because the practice facility has been closed all week, uh, he couldn't practice, so they don't want to rush him back. So they're going to let him really? practice and then come back the 22nd. I really just not been out of touch. Oh, my God. Um, Wow, that's huge. But That's very huge, yeah. Is it worth – is it worth it, at the, like, for the 22nd, you think? Yeah, get him in, let him play 10, 15 minutes and pull him. Okay, yeah, yeah, I guess so. That's but... all you need him to do. Don't play anything more than 15 minutes. You come in, you do 10 minutes to 15 minutes. That's it. I don't care yeah. if it's a two-point game. When you got to pull him late in the fourth quarter, you pull him. Don't, because yeah, that's yeah. one thing Brad, Brad Stevens is notorious for, is for leaving players on minutes restrictions in for too long in a close game to try and win the game. No. If he's in for 15 minutes and it's a close game in the fourth quarter, you pull him immediately. I don't care. He hits 15 exactly, he's out. I don't want to see him play over 15 minutes. I kind of disagree because I think he's been pretty good about it. And it's kind of that. And then we end up losing those games because then people like to go on Twitter, the Green Teamers, and say that, oh, if we if we let him play like three more minutes or whatever, no, you got to be strict with him. I think they did no, a good I've job. Seen him, I feel like I've seen him do that in the bubble. Remember in the bubble when Kemba was coming back? He did no, that. He, Kemba he, was very good about it. he was very good in the bubble. Really? He, I don't remember that. Remember him being bad. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think you got to be even more strict this go-around because this isn't just about, like, a playoff run. It's about longevity of his career. So I what do you guys – how long, how many minutes do you guys think Kemba should play? 15 to 20. What do you think, Kyle? Yeah, somewhere in that time frame. Yeah, see, I'm going on the lower half, 10 to 15. I'm off the bench a little bit and then slowly back into the starting lineup, but still mm-hmm. 15 to 20 for, like, the first month, three weeks. I would eat- Maybe, maybe I'm being too cautious with them. I'm saying 10 to 15 for the first, like, two weeks to a month off the bench. That's what I'm saying. Like, there's no reason not to be. I mean, players are dropping, like, flies left and right. And in a season like this, like, you can afford – and with how well we've been doing, like, there's reason to just kind of not rush him back for, for so, like, reason. If, let's say, Kemba comes back, right, and they put him back in the starting rotation and the Celtics start to lose. Let's just say hypothetically, right? Do you put Marcus Smart back in the lineup and make Kemba the sixth man? Maybe, but I don't think this is quite the same as when we did that with Hayward. Yeah. No, it's totally different. He's a different player. 
Right, right, right. But also, like he could be like an IT four off the bench. Right, but also, and this kind of segues into my next topic. I want to talk about like what's his role with the team. Like, what's his ceiling upon return? Like, he's he's gonna be the third option. I can't expect that that's an issue for him. It's not like you're being you're playing with a Kyrie or someone like Gordon Hayward who Brad loves and wanted to eat up all these touches for when he came back. Like, I at best he's a twenty point per game scorer again right off the bat, but you can't really. It's kind of unfair to assume he'll jump right back into that. I mean, yeah. Uh, last year, we almost had four 20-point-per-game scores, so I guarantee he's going to get back, but I just don't know in what capacity. It's going to be interesting to see what his role develops, especially, and I know it's only been 10 games and I'm hyping him up a lot, but especially with Peyton going out there and playing with so much energy, like, where does Kemba fit in, especially if he has to be coming off the bench? Like, maybe you start Peyton because Marcus Smart, uh, famous for his pink eye last year, uh, gets COVID again. So, See, I think right now, Pritchard is someone who you can only plug in off the bench. He won't really... I think you want to like work him up slowly because I do think he has a role. And maybe that role is that sort of like that spark off the bench. Maybe not scoring because we know he can score also, but just like that energy guy that when you really have in the playoffs, I think he'll be good come playoff time. Um, but a guy like Kamba, like you get him back to even like 75, 80%, like that's another guy who can... Who Tatum and Brown can defer can uh, defer to they like game shots. It's not just green teamers on Twitter getting mad that oh Tatum did a step back three pointer at the buzzer. Like oh you can give it to Jalen Brown, or Kemba Walker has a history of clutch moments uh, in Charlotte. I mean the one the one thing I want to see with Kemba is that he just eases his way back in. Right. Um, I mean people forget, and this is the one thing that green teamers are so notorious for, and one of the reasons why I hate green teamers is. Kemba Walker had a great start to the season last year. There were multiple times last year in the beginning where he was putting up 40 points a game. Um, I mean, that was that was a great start for Kemba. You couldn't have written to that start better. And then the injuries came and he kind of stuck. I mean, people people forget that he was an all-star starter. Like, he was that he was having that kind of season that he was starting in the all-star game. Tatum was coming off the bench, obviously. And obviously this year we've kind of seen that Tatum take that leap to our superstardom, and so is Brown. And, you know, Kemba, he's getting older. He's a small point guard. I mean, this is almost like Isaiah Thomas 2.0 situation again, which is it's similar to that. Very similar. Don't tell me it's not Reed. Yeah, uh, small point guard. Small point guard who is aging and is coming off an injury. You want to ease his way back in. Do not do what you did with IT. I mean, it's the difference between a hip injury with IT and a uh, knee injury with Kemba. Like, IT, all of his game just running at the biggest, tallest guy on the court at full speed. And he's probably going to go, like, hip first. And we saw how that kind of what that did for his career. Kemba, on the other hand, like he relies on his quickness and his like ability to dribble and cross over and kind of stop on a dime and just all that stress is put on his knees. Like that's when you got to be easy and cautious about him. Yeah. So if you're stopping on a dime and you're crossing over, it doesn't that require good knee strength. So you don't no, right, right. No, I'm not, I'm saying it's like, it's different, but I don't think it's this like quote, like, I don't know if this is the right word to use, but like crippling of an injury as far as like your, Longevity goes like I think I'm. I'd be surprised if Isaiah Thomas is signed to a team ever again. I don't think Kemba's at. I don't think Kemba's like as unplayable as Isaiah Thomas is. I don't think. Yeah, but is like unplayable. I think the thing with Isaiah is that people sometimes don't recognize is the fact that he had the injury before the playoffs started. He and he was rushed back and played in the playoffs, and then it got so bad that he had to stop playing in the playoffs. Like this, so this way here, if Kemba eases his way back in, it isn't rush. I feel like it's a different story with that. 
Yeah. Because Isaiah was rushed back. He was rushed back. People don't – I think people sometimes forget that. But in that March when he heard it originally, he was rushed back uh, for the, the playoffs. Mm. So there, there was a lot of, of reports saying that shut him down for the season, and they didn't. Part of me thinks it's different, too, because you went from having, like, Avery Bradley, Jeff Green with Isaiah Thomas to, okay – you know, Kemba doesn't have to be the first option. You know, you have Jalen and Jason, so Kemba doesn't have to play so aggressively. He can be kind of that stand in the corner, shoot a three guy. Like, doesn't have to, you know, destroy his knees as much because he's going to definitely be part of the offense, but he doesn't have to be such a huge part with the Jays just having their superstar ascension this year. Yeah, superstar Jeff Green, yeah. <laughs> Not well, that, I think Jeff Green is like, IT had to be that number one solution because, you know, we didn't know. have anyone else who could score. Right? Together, actually. I think that was Jay Crowder. I think that was a year before when we got IT. I think I think, I think it was Jay Crowder, not uh, – it was Jay Crowder. Jay Crowder, you had Brown as a rookie. Horford was in there as well. Yeah. Uh, it was literally the season right before you got Hayward and Tatum. Yeah, yeah, No, no, not the point, anyways. But yeah, uh, I feel like this is more – I said this last time I was on that I see this more bothering Kemba – Unfortunately, but I think it's going to bother him like towards like it's going to maybe take another year or two off his career as opposed to affecting him here and now. Like, I think he's got a few more good years left, just not as many as he would have, which stinks to hear and stinks to say. Yeah, he'll be out of the league, I think, in the next five, six years, which I mean, sucks. Which is kind of expected. I mean, not out of the league, but like he's not Mm. anymore. I give him a few more years of that. He's not just like this old broken man. Like he's only thirty. Yeah, but in five years he'll be thirty-five, and we all know how small eight, so small point guards do when they age. Yeah, yeah, but so much can happen in five years. Jason Tatum's still gonna be on the team in five years. Okay, so you're telling me, and so Kemba has three years left on his contract, right? So you tell me at the end of three years you re-sign him for another two. At the end of that fifth year, you want to bring him back? I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying just so much can like this is what. This is why NBA fans are just the worst. Not I'm not saying about you. I'm saying just in general because I do this too. People always say like, "Oh, you like you can't like this guy's like 23 years old," and they're already talking about how this guy's gonna be like 31. You're like, I don't know, he's gonna be 30. Like, do we want to keep him that long? Like, it makes no sense. There's so much time in between. Then we could get. But I, w- I would rather flip Kemba in the next year or two than to wait until he gets off the contract and now he's nothing. Yeah, but right now I just want to wait and see. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'll be interested to see how he bounces back. It's uh, it'll be an interesting situation with that. Obviously, you don't want to rush him back, but you don't want to cu- uh, cuddle him too much either. So, uh, I don't know. I'm on the 10 to 15 minute train. I don't know what, what you guys think. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I know you guys you guys want to do full speed ahead 15 to 20 minutes, but I, I just don't want to see him do that. I don't. Because the last thing you need is for him to play 20 minutes and then tweak it. And I feel like 10 to 15 is like the sweet spot. Well, I mean, like you're playing so- enough to get experience, but you're playing also enough to not hurt yourself. Right, right. Yeah, but you know who also paid ten to fifteen minutes a game, Jake, for a Celtics. Oh, this is going to be a throwback. Another little guy, point guard, Philip Pressy. I so, like that. Go on. I haven't heard that name in a minute. Think, but that's what I'm saying. Like he averaged like twelve, thirteen minutes a game. So if you're saying like you want those kind of minutes, like I just don't think that's enough time for Kemba really to get back into you know. NBA game speed and NBA readiness in 10 to 15 minutes, you know, bump them up to that 20, give them some actual time to play. Yeah. At what point, at what point too, when Kemba isn't the guy anymore, at what point does that happen where people look at that and say, yeah, but you're getting paid like the guy. Like you think that happens in the locker room at some point? That was the whole Gordon Hayward narrative. 
Yeah, I mean, it could happen, though. Don't but also, me. I yeah. think, you know, Gordon Smart. didn't provide as much as Kemba's going to provide to this team, even off the court. Like, I think Kemba's going to be a very, like, glue piece to this team. So, you know, even though it sucks he's not making, you know, 25 points a game, getting paid 34 a year, like... At least he's being like the glue and a like very important leader on this team, which they need. Yeah, he's kind of like I mean, it's hard to get mad at Kemba Walker. He's such a good guy. Yeah, yeah. You can't get mad at that guy, and he's so he's been so humble too throughout his career. I don't know, Kemba Walker. This whole injury thing, we'll monitor this. So make sure you guys check us out on GD Pod. Uh, we'll have this whole thing covered with breaking news. Uh, you know, hopefully it's January twenty second. We're sitting here saying in eight days, Kemba is back and he's playing. And, uh, you know, we'll talk about his first game when that, whenever that happens. Hopefully it's soon. You guys, final words? Mm, no. Uh, I think Kevin Durant is very good at basketball. He's one of the top ten players of all time. I think Kyrie Irving's one of the best point guards we've ever seen. And James Harden, the, probably the best pure scorer in the league right now. That being said, Celtics in six. <laughs> Kai, you got any final words? Uh, yeah, the, the league, Adam Silver. You wouldn't let Chris Paul get traded to L.A. and you let this happen? What's up, man? I know was, he didn't do it, yeah. but still. What's up, NBA? <laughs> My final words is, and I'm going to say this once, and I don't want to hear it ever again. Peyton Pritchard's nickname, and the fact that we're even giving him a nickname is stupid. I know, but just hear me out. His nickname's 8 Mile. We're not calling him Fast PP. I'm going to keep going. No, Fast PP. You're going to call another man Fast PP? We're not, I, I, we're not, I'm not having a rebuttal. It's 8 Mile. End of story. Yeah, I'll call 8 Mile. So, guys, that had been another episode of the GOD Podcast, episode 22. Uh, make sure you guys check it out on Instagram at the GOD Pod. And until then, we'll see you guys next week. Peace.